0: Hi everyone, welcome to this special episode of Coogee Voice as we celebrate International Women's Day. Today we're interviewing Stephanie Roos and Victoria Stewart, co-founders and CEOs of BEAM. BEAM is an organisation that's focused on working with other organisations to help them redesign work to make it more meaningful for the modern society, as well as helping encourage more women
1: to return to the workplace. (laughs) We're bridging the gap between what people want out of the way they work, when they work, where they work, and what companies are providing in terms of job structures. What you'll find is in
2: organisations where people have been afforded the opportunity to work in a part-time role, no work is really ever done to say, how do we make that five day a week role into three days?
1: There's actually a huge opportunity for businesses to think about how their work and outcomes can be achieved more productively.
0: Stephanie and Victoria, welcome to Coogee Voice. Now, the two of you have lived in the eastern suburbs for different points in time. Victoria, I know you've moved away, but you'd lived there for a
1: period. Stephanie, what do you love about living in the east? Well, that's not to love, Marjorie. It's um, we're living the dream, right? The best place in the world. And I think the thing that we love most is just, uh, just having the beach right at your fingertips. And there's a lot of green as well, particularly we're in Bronte with the gully. And so it just gives the kids that feeling of space and outdoors without actually having any space at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, Victoria, you lived there for six years.
2: Why did you move away? Oh, well, we'd lived in Rose Bay, uh, in North Bondi and, uh, Point Piper and also Wallara. Uh, so we absolutely loved, um, the, the East. But unfortunately, after having three kids, we needed to make, um, a move into a bigger house and, uh, the affordability wasn't there for us in the East. So we needed to move, um, up and we are over, over the bridge in Willoughby, which we're loving. Wonderful. So listeners, Stephanie and Victoria are co-founders
0: and CEO of Beam and were recently shortlisted for the New South Wales Business Women of the Year. Unfortunately, they came up short and I'm deeply, deeply disappointed with that. I was really gunning for them to be number one. Ladies, tell us a little
1: bit about Beam and what you do. So we're, Marjorie, bridging the gap between what people want out of the way they work, when they work, where they work, And what companies are providing in terms of job structures, basically. So what we're really talking about is people just have this huge need and um, want now for balance in everything they do in life, whether it be work as well as um, caring commitments around children or parents or sick loved ones or a side hustle, their own startup, walking their dog, volunteering and you know, all the incredible things that you can do for your community. People are looking to have many different aspects of their life. Now, at the same time, unfortunately, most businesses haven't caught up with that and we're still living in a work model that's about 100 years old. So, the full-time, nine to five, and what's now extended into, you know, 60-hour work weeks with, you know, digital technology – There's a real conflict there between what people want and what people can get. And so we're trying to fix that problem.
2: And this really came from our personal experience. So we'd been working in uh, the corporate world for many years. We'd sort of worked our way up and um, found ourselves in, you know, sort of leadership roles in these large multinational organisations And then as Steph and I started to have kids, each separately, separate families, but we basically found that it was really challenging to maintain being the employee that you wanted to be in a full-time capacity, as well as being the parent that you wanted to be as well. So we faced with this binary decision of sort of all in or all out on the career. And what we found was that wasn't something that we were just experiencing, it was by people around us. So. All of our peers were facing the same thing, um, you know, friends, family, etc. and it just felt like this was being experienced by not only hundreds but thousands and thousands and even into the millions of people. So that experience forced Steph and I into a situation where we were saying, well, th- we can make this better. We know how to make it better. It's actually by providing more flexible jobs and specifically part-time jobs at all levels of an organization that give people the opportunity to remain working, contributing and progressing their careers and at the same time businesses retain that knowledge and experience in their organisations and the ultimate outcome being a more diverse uh, workforce from um, ground up to, to leadership. So we created Beam, which is this uh, one part of it is the online marketplace that connects um, all of these people who are excluded from the full-time workforce. And we've talked about parents. That's one thing. And Steph mentioned another, you know, all these other segments as well. So it's men and women, athletes, etc. Also with employers who are looking to tap into this hidden workforce of extraordinary talent. And then on the other side, we really help organisations to implement more flexible work structures to enable more sustainable flexible work Uh, at every level of the organization so we do that specifically through role design and organizational design so one thing you've really tapped into is
0: the responsibilities and the roles of caring this is predominantly still a woman's responsibility and it is uh, not really a financially recognized responsibility is this a woman's issue what you're talking about in terms of part-time work
1: Right now it is Marjorie because the vast majority of carers are women. And we see that reflected in the numbers in, you know, people coming to beam for part time roles. But twenty five percent of our talent are men and their stories are amazing and we are seeing a real progression of society towards more men putting their hand up for part-time and sharing the load evenly. Even just yesterday, I was speaking with um, an incredible uh, C- CEO of a global or an Australian arm of a global organisation, and she said she works a nine-day fortnight, and so does her husband. So they each look after their daughter on a Friday and just take it in turns. So they've got an equal... Work um, balance to caring balance as well, and we would love to see a lot more of that. The problems, though, for women in tackling, you know, work are different to the problems that face men. And I think the other thing to
2: note is that women, a lot of women, actually want to be caring for their kids and being able to be there for them at you know different stages um, and of the week and also their lives as well. And so. I think the appetite for part-time is, you know, strongest in women um, but that's a natural thing and, and I think the the reason why this is just such a great solution for providing more opportunities for women into the leadership positions is because by providing more of these part-time opportunities, you have people being able to be the parents that they want to be and being the workers or employees that they want to be as well. You know, I think as we call it an issue, it's also an opportunity to create more work options to provide a much more diverse workforce, right? So why is it important though that we
0: redesign work and we don't continue the way that we've been going for the last 100 years?
2: As Steph mentioned before, we've moved from an industrial revolution work model that was based on factories, and now we're living in a digital age where we're always on, always connected, and we're essentially overworked and exhausted. Mental health issues are skyrocketing, um, physical health issues related to overwork on the rise as well, and we're seeing a real epidemic of, of health issues, right? So... If we do not change the way we're working, there's gonna be more and more pressure put on our health system. And the impact is also intergenerational as well. So from our perspective, the requirement to redesign is not only from full-time to part-time, but it's also from full-time over employment, 60 hours to more sustainable um, weeks, whether they be 40 hours in the office or however people wanna work. So when we talk about redesign in the context of part-time, what you'll find is in organisations where people have been afforded the opportunity to work in a part-time role, no work is really ever done to say, how do we make that five-day-a-week role into three days? And so what happens is people are doing five days of work in three and they're burning out and they're not performing because they're getting compared against their full-time employees and outcomes haven't been rescoped, and all of a sudden you see a dropout of people in those roles, or um, they're deemed
1: to be not performing, and so you'll see a stagnation of their careers. Marjorie, I don't think it's just for part time though. When you raise this issue that the old way that work is designed is not you know, fitting for what people want now. There's actually a huge opportunity for businesses to think about how their work and outcomes can be achieved more productively. So, there was a study that was done recently in the UK that showed that the average time spent for office workers was two hours and 53 minutes a day. There was another one done in Canada that showed it was an hour and a half. And these stats are just mind-boggling. So, what are, what are people doing, Right. The fact is that in many circumstances, an organization has a culture of the longer you work, the more committed you are. You're going to get the next promotion. You're a high performer if you're working long hours. So people spend the whole time at the office and that means they have to do their life admin, their socials, their socializing, their coffees, their meals and everything else at work. They've got no time to do it outside work either. So, there was a company in in New Zealand called Perpetual Guardian. Have you heard about this one? No. So, they are an incredible organization who actually the um, CEO, Andrew Barnes, actually read those stats, the same stats that we saw a couple of years ago on um, the number of hours of people actually working in the um, office and said, I wonder if I shortened the work week for my entire company, for everyone in my entire company – And gave them a quid pro quo, where I said, you'd be more productive in the office, I'll give you a day back a week. They moved to a four-day week. They did a trial across a few months, and they saw that productivity improved, profitability improved, engagement, retention. Everyone loved it. Everyone was completely willing to work harder and figure out amongst their own teams how they'd be more efficient, how they'd cut down meetings how they'd really get long streams of focused work done so that they could win back that day in the week and they've moved to that model permanently. It's amazing. That is phenomenal. Um, I think we've all also been in that work meeting where you know it's gone
0: for an hour and a half and you're just like, why could we have not done this in 20 Mm -hmm. minutes?
2: Yeah, there's actually an interesting study that was done in the US that shows that senior executives waste on average eight hours a week. So it's a day a week in meetings that are unproductive Um, and that equates to $37 billion in lost productivity in the economy. So if you think about that, I mean it's exactly the same here. So
0: a huge part of this is about working smarter um, for the modern day. Now one of the things that I'm really passionate about though is about getting women back into the workforce. Uh, My background is women and work and I've got a particular passion around uh, women's superannuation. Um, The fastest growing group of homelessness in Australia is women over the age of 50. And the major contributing factors to that is they don't own their assets and they don't have superannuation. And all of our economic assumptions around late life are saying two things, you own your asset and you have super. But for super to work, you actually have to have been employed for a significant period of time, generally full-time. How does BEAM and this and, like, the work that you're doing sort of feed into trying to solve really complex problems like that which are happening right now?
1: Thanks, Marjorie. We're also super passionate about this and, in fact, we sit as an advisor to the Office for Women federally to feed in, where we believe that the fastest or most effective way that we can provide um, support into greater superannuation savings is by providing jobs. Right, Absolutely. we get more people jobs. We mobilise more women into work. They have a job. They have super. So we're big proponents of permanent part-time work as opposed to contingent, um, which you know does provide that super saving. And um, so far at Beam, we've, th- through the part time model and educating businesses about the part time model, added more than 17 million in incremental income to the economy and more than 2 million in incremental super savings for women specifically into the economy. So that's our contribution. We would just love to see that magnified by thousands, right? The model is working and I think more particularly small and growing businesses get on board with this part-time model so they can hire someone sooner in their business, we'll see more incremental roles and more equal opportunity for men and women as well. And just to add to Steph's comments
2: there, you know, I think the other thing to note is that access to part-time work is in fact more important than childcare in returning to the workforce. It's so clear that the, the jobs that need to be created specifically part-time jobs, in order to mobilise this hidden talent pool back into the economy. And these are incremental to, obviously, full-time jobs that are out there. It just means that organisations can think about bringing someone in. It's not this binary decision of, um, I'm not going to hire versus... I can, I can hire a full-time only. So we're getting businesses to think differently about I can hire sooner because I can bring someone in one, two or three days a week um, because I can afford that. I don't need to afford just a full-timer.
1: Madhuri, though, what did you find in your studies?
0: Most of my research has looked at that over an entire career trajectory, women choose to or are forced to remove themselves from full-time work because of different caring responsibilities. So first times in their career, it's around childcare. Later in their career, it might be having to help care for their parents or grandparents. And then further upon that, as an older woman, you're caring for your um, And this has then contributed to the fact that women do not have superannuation, when you talk to women, they might be able to access part-time work, they might be, but they're also then um, not really encouraged to do it because these part-time jobs are tokenistic, Right? Mm-hmm. They don't have career advancement. They don't have opportunities for training and development. So it's just sort of a bit of a they're there job. And it becomes a bit soul-destroying that you're working in these areas. You've got an education that you've been investing in. You want to contribute, but you're actually not being valued by your organization. So you leave the job and you might go and do something, go go doing volunteering, which is absolutely important and critical for our societies. But then it leaves you in a situation where you don't have any superannuation later in life.
1: And that uh, late-life poverty is a really, really big problem. It's huge. And what what do we do in the political system, though? We've seen over the past few years, you've seen all of these great politicians have dedicated their life to their country and their people and communities, again, forced with the same thing that, you know, Vic and I saw, which is you're all in or you're all out. So how do we tackle
0: that? Look, I think the political arena is is something completely separate as well and the issues around family and work and political life is one thing but it was Julia Bishop uh, last year who really just said the culture in the political environment is entirely different and the norms and behaviours that people get away with in politics would be completely unacceptable. So what the context of a political environment is has got to change in multiple, multiple ways. Uh, Not only do we need to figure out how we make it more family friendly, but this sort of toxic masculinity that does exist, how do we change that? Because that is actually what is embedded in all of this. The fact that women are shamed if they bring their child in, um, you know, it's really difficult. I've got colleagues who might want to bring their kids along with them. And if the guys bring their kids along, God, they're a really good dad. Mm -hmm. But if the mum does it, just like, oh, And they're sort of shamed for it. So the issues is within Parliament, there's also huge um, pressures on women outside of Parliament around how we behave. Um, I continue as a member of parliament and in a representative role, people in 2020 come up and ask me, am I married? Do I have children? When I say no, they'll say, well, probably best that you don't. I don't know how you would manage it. And my male colleagues that all surround me are all married and all have young children. Mm-hmm. They have never once been asked that question. Mm-hmm. So it's getting back to what you're saying. There are, you know, for women, it, you can't win. Mm. right you're either all in or all out and either way you're shamed you're shamed by society you're shamed by the people you work with you don't get given the same opportunities so it's sort of just like how do we win so I think that there is and I don't want people to feel hopeless but there is just a huge amount of work to be doing in this space Um, and how do we solve it we solve it by calling it out when we see it we solve it by encouraging more women, uh, more diversity in all sectors. Mm-hmm. It's not just about women. It's about different, um, different sexualities, different races, different religions and saying, you know, you can do this, encouraging diversity, lifting people up and calling it out when it happens and mm-hmm. saying, this is not okay. Because until we do that, until men continue to call out other men for sexism and until women help encourage other women to get involved and lift them up, so when for me success for me means nothing unless I can use my position to help other women I was the first woman to ever be elected to be the state member of Kuji. women Mm -hmm. have been allowed to run for state parliament for more than 100 years Mm -hmm. right that is not okay it's not okay that it took 100 years for the first woman to be elected to this role and I don't want it to take another
1: 100 years yeah but that's Like you were saying, there are certain things that are critical for us to move forward and that do give us hope and you being a role model in being that first woman gives us hope but it also paves the way for all the women after you and I mean, we've we've just got to hope but we've also got to push forward and make it happen that in 20 years time from now, People won't be faced with those same sort of biases that say you're shamed if you don't work, you're shamed if you do work, you're shamed if you work part-time. We need to see an inclusive environment in politics but also in private sector and public sector as well and in life and the attitudes that people have to what it looks like to be a successful worker.
0: But it's not just to be a successful worker. As a woman, what does it mean to be a successful worker, to be a successful mum, to be a successful carer, to be a successful whatever? And the fact that we sort of have designed this system, So, and you've said it's binary, you're either one or the other, that just totally needs to be dismantled and saying, you know what, success is how you define it. Right, mm. It isn't about how society decides what you are and it's not just about how you're working but what your family life looks like. You know, I grew up with two parents that worked full-time. Paid maternity leave did not exist, mm. right? My mother was able to have all of us children during – my mother was a university academic and had all of us, luckily, during university breaks, mm. You know, no. it's well timed. Yeah, yeah. Incredibly well timed. <laughs> yeah. Incredibly well timed. But my mother tells stories about times where the nanny didn't turn up. So she would have to go to lectures and just pop the baby like under a desk and just pray that we didn't cry Mm. right and that was just where it was and my father bless his cotton socks incredibly progressive for the time when we were sick kids would bring us into his office and have us um lying like in his private office wrapped in a blanket and would ask his secretary to look after us (laughs) like (laughs) which isn't fair to his secretary but my parents had uh my parents had opportunities to be able to allow them to work full-time that other people didn't and we think about Um, People in work, like people in careers, in industries that don't have those opportunities, you know, women, marginalised people, how do we ensure that all of them have access to those things and so that they're not shamed and that they can have those fulfilling, successful careers?
2: It's really interesting what you say there. You know, it absolutely is about people um, starting to stand up and make change and, and be trailblazers in this space. And certainly I don't think your mum would have been able to do what she was able to do without having someone supportive either as a manager or whatever at the university saying, yeah, you can do that. You can bring in your kids and just put pop them underneath or, you know, so you need to have these advocates for change. And what we see is there are leaders in organisations who are saying, yeah, I want to leave a legacy. I want to change the way that people are working now. I want to be able to provide a more inclusive workforce or um, a greater place for people to work, or it could be an individual manager who's saying, "I mean I've seen this with um you know in my family or I've seen it around me and i I want this to to be um, different for other people coming through, and I can see the value that people provide in an, uh, an hour at work or five hours at work or 10 hours at work, whatever it is, I can still see that value. So it's these individual people who are stepping up and, and really creating change. And we see them every day when we speak to them. You know, they, they really are just bought into the fact that I just want to have people working really in a better way, in a happier way and certainly healthier because it's better for everyone. Part of it as well is that we need to stop shaming people over how they
0: behave in these situations Mm -hmm. or their choices. You are not a bad mother if you do not cook dinner. And you get it ordered in. You are not a bad mother if, or worker or father, if you have a cleaner that comes in and does the cleaning, right? These are things that, and you hear people like, oh, you don't do that yourself or, oh, you only do tuck shop once a year. Like it's, um, we put all these exorbitant pressures and these pressures are predominantly put on women, not on men about what it actually means for them to be a full and complete Person across all these different aspects of Mm -hmm. their life, and we need to really call it out and stop it. And particularly, women need to stop doing it to each other. We are our own worst enemies, um, and I see it and you hear it, and it's like, why do we do this to each other? We're struggling, Um, and it's it's funny because you know. I've gone to parks and you see women criticising other women and how their kids are playing and then you go and see this group of men together on their day off looking after kids and the kids are off sort of could be playing with rocks climbing on a car. They're all there just having a great time, not criticising each other and it's just I want to see more women lifting each other up and I have to say thank
1: you for the work that you're doing in this because you are playing a pivotal role in being able to do that. The judgement has to stop. We want to give people, and we're trying to at BEAM actually, give people a safe place where they can say, this is what I want. This is what's going to work best for me. I can put my hand up for a career-worthy, meaty, incredible job, and I'm not going to say it's only part-time or I just want part-time. It is a meaningful, huge contribution in and of its own right, you know, to, to work. And we know that the caring responsibilities are unpaid, But, God, that work is hard um, and incredibly valuable. And however you choose to do it, as you said, you know, it needs to be your own decision.
0: But it also has – it's not paid but it has a huge
2: economic impact on our society that is undervalued. Yeah,
1: and I think that that's
2: that's a really important point is that as you give someone financial independence, it gives them the opportunity to do different things and even in – relation to scenarios like um, horrific domestic violence gives people opportunities to escape those situations when they have economic independence and financial independence and financial security that they can remove themselves. It's not always easy and it's certainly, uh, you know, I'm I'm not um, simplifying the situation, but at least providing people with that opportunity to be able to leave because they are financially independent is a critical factor.
0: Absolutely, and as well, just while we're on that, it also provides a safety net for people as well. Increasing numbers of really progressive, great corporations and businesses are giving domestic violence leave. So having that network around you that can help you during those times, again, this is not a simple solution, but it's just one of the small aspects that I think different organisations and sectors of our society are trying to come together to solve this problem. So for people that are listening that want to be a part of this movement for change, what can they do?
1: Well, they can provide jobs. They can provide those employment opportunities that financial independence to the people who need it. So there are incredible business owners, large and small, in the eastern suburbs, and managers, <laughs> yep, and managers of large organizations who can rethink the way they that they structure their teams and the work and the way that work gets done in their businesses. So, what's next for Beam?
2: Well, great question. Um, certainly, it actually builds on what Steph just said around changing the way work gets done. We're really focused on helping organizations to to do flexible work better. So, one of the big areas we're focusing on is role design. Um, so, we're helping those people who are currently in roles that are maybe part-time, helping them to be more sustainable and focus on how you design a role better for part-time and for those that are um, going out to market, thinking about how a role can be built to be part-time from the start and thinking about the outcomes uh, and how they're affected as well. So um, yeah, we've got some really exciting things on the horizon Um, and certainly if anyone wants to hear any more, they can get in touch with um, Beam at beamaustralia.com.au.
0: Fantastic. Now, before we go, I've got three quick questions that I get to ask you both. Steph, I'm going to go first. Favourite beach in the eastern suburbs? Favourite beach. Bronte. Ah, wonderful. Best
1: coffee? Bellagio. Okay. And where is the best place to get a burger? Oh, it would have to be um, the stuffed beaver. And Vic? Favourite beach?
2: Okay. So from um, when I was living here, absolutely North Bondo. Best coffee? Um, I'd say Huxton's in Bronte. Okay, and where do you think
0: is the best place to get a burger?
2: Oh, guys, this is when I was living over here. There was Moo Burger, which was amazing in Bondi, but um, and I'm hoping it's still there. It is. Yeah, it fantastic. Is
0: uh, Stephanie and Victoria, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your insights. Just to let you know, this is going to be airing on International Women's Day. Is there anything else you would like to say to young and old women who are going to be listening to this or men?
1: Look at the incredible women around you, Marjorie, you being one of them, and open your mind to the possibilities that the future can hold. We're working hard to make it a bright one for you. And from my
2: perspective, we were uh, lucky enough to be at the Women's Award, New South Wales Women's Awards yesterday, and uh, we met Hannah Beter, who's also from the eastern suburbs. And wow, what an inspirational woman. Um, and she's only 25 years old yet accomplished so much. And let me tell you, she is an inspiration. I think if you can just look to role models at all ages, absolutely, um, and just look at what you can achieve, Everyone's just normal people, but just really passionate about pursuing things that they really believe in and want to have a purpose and impact um, or provide more impact with as well. So, yeah, definitely um, one thing would be just continue to find what you're passionate about and focus on that.
0: Thank you, ladies. And for listeners, Hannah Beter, who's been on a previous episode, won yesterday the New South Wales Young Woman of the Year Award for her contribution to STEM and getting more women uh, involved and encouraging more young girls to get involved in STEM and
2: engineering. So congratulations, Hannah. Oh, she was amazing and really just so well-deserved. Absolutely. Ladies, thank you for being
0: on Coogee Voice.
2: Thank you so Thanks, much, Marjorie. Marjorie.
0: What a refreshing conversation to have about the future of work and women's role in society. Now, if you're a business owner or you'd like to learn more about the business, you can get in touch or look them up on beamaustralia.com.au. That's B-E-A-M-A-U-S-T-R-A-L-I-A.com.au. Thank you for listening to this episode of you Voice. Bye for now.